And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang, we are back for another week of some shenanigans. That's the, that's the word of the week, shenanigans. Um, there's, a, there's quite a bit of stuff to talk about, um, but one thing I want to jump into right away, as we're 30 seconds into this podcast, is... If there's ever been any doubt of how much you listeners mean to me, you guys just remember this. For you and you only, I sat through the entire MIB International movie. And it was long. It was like, what? Uh, let's see. Two hours and like 20 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes long. And unfortunately, two-thirds of that movie was just really, really bad. I think the last third of the movie is when it got good. And then it just turned around and ended, you know. Um, so I can see where the criticism is with MIB International. Now, like I said, it's it's not a it, it's not locked up, and if you don't get what I'm saying, you can go to www.theworldofmyth, click on reviews, and you'll see a movie review from Jason Bashard, and it'll say locked up. You click on it, and you'll find out what I'm saying. This is a family-friendly show. That's why I'm, I'm sending you that way. Um, it's, it's an adult movie, but it's really bad. So that's why I'm doing that. Um, to Men in Black International, it was it was an alien movie, but it wasn't a Men in Black movie, if that makes any sense whatsoever. The, the characters were new. There was, you know, some odes that I, I caught right away. You, you know, back to the old school, Will Smith. Uh... But, you know, my biggest thing is, is I don't know why. Oh, I do know why. I, I feel like the producers of Ghostbusters told Chris Hemworth that he was funny. So he, he feels like he needs to portray a comedic sense in everything he portrays. You know, and, and he he's done that to Thor, you know, and, and made him fat Thor, thick Thor, whatever they want to call him. You know, they, they made him a, a comical character. And Thor is not a, a, a funny character whatsoever. You know, in fact, I know people that follow that, that belief. And, you know, it, it's, it's insulting. It is insulting. And, and, for someone who doesn't even follow that belief, I completely understand. That is an insulting thing that they did to Thor. So coming into Men in Black International, he brings that same level of you know uh, comedy. And the, the level of comedy that he brings is what he established in Men in or not Men in Black, but the Ghostbusters movie. And that is the big buff, dumbass um, guy that and and spoilers i guess is that you know he had this big reputation of, of taking down what was called the hive you know the baddest alien race in the world or in the, in the universe rather and come to find out it was all fake it was all because he was neuralized and the bad guys made a deal and set him all up and he didn't even do that and of course um that you didn't figure that out until the very end up until what an hour 
I would say at least an hour and a half into the movie, you had no clue whatsoever what the actual plot of the movie was. And that was kind of like, I, I, kept, I was like, what is going on? What is the purpose? You're setting up all this stuff for, for no real reason. And I just, I felt like I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it at all. It was, it was amusing. And of course it was filled with, you know, there's plenty of, of political and, uh, you know, agenda filled moments in the script that translated very heavily on the screen. But, you know, they, they classly laid what, you know, what their agenda was and then this kind of kept on going. I, I can respect that. I can respect that. Um, you know, if if you're putting the money out there and, and you have a political agenda in mind, you're going to want to – because this is the way I look at it, kids, is if – I'm trying to choose my words wisely. To me, lately, all movies are are two-hour-long uh, commercials for political agendas underlined with whatever element that you're watching, either it be horror or fantasy or sci-fi. And that's... I think that's one of the reasons why like I, I find myself going back to old movies and you know there that the old argument well it's always been there but you know if it's been there okay there might be one scene but it not the entire two hour movie was you know a, a, a commercial for an agenda purpose and it's really hurting the industry now I think that's what's happening with Hollywood. I think that's why all these movies are bombing is because they're trying to portray a, a certain political agenda and pushing it down our throats. And as the consumer, we're just getting tired of it. It's like, you know, it's, it's like the same story being told over and over and over again. And people aren't going now for like toy story four. I, and I touch on this because it, it came out, and no, I have not seen it. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to see it. I'm, I'm not going to go run and see it this week because I'm mentioning it. Um, that is a, a family movie that the kids and I are going to see together, um, and so that has to work out perfectly for all four of us to go. But I, And I know that Toy Story 4 is going to make a buttload of cash. I mean, just, you know, in a ridiculous amount. I think, like, opening weekend made $166 million just in, you know, well, opening weekend now is considered, what, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think, right? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Because, uh, you know, they, they come out, you know, officially they come out on Friday, but you can get tickets on Thursday to watch them. Now it's what I usually do is I go watch them on Thursday when there's not that big of a, a crowd and you get in there, get out and enjoy the movie. Um, though Disney has the biggest political agenda in their films, and I expect to see that when we watch... Toy Story 4. It's I, I expect it. Um, I'm not going to go too much into it, but you know, I, my kids want to see it. I've seen one, two, and three. It's just, I guess, a necessary thing. But I, I know that that's what, to me, media in general, whether it be movies or TV movies or TV shows, um, cartoons even now. Uh, you know, they have a political agenda. So I think that is where it all falls, you know, especially with Men in Black. And again, you know, it was kind of heavy on that. Um, they they laid out, you know, 
whatever they're trying to portray. And you, I, I'm saying you go watch it. I'm not saying don't go watch it. Go watch it. Make your own determinations. You'll see, uh, you know, neither I'm full of crap or I, you agree with me. But, um, yeah, I, I, I sat through it. Like I said, it was a long movie. And, yeah, it, it was it was a movie. It was definitely a movie. Um, and needed Will Smith <laughs> and Tommy Lee Jones, big time, uh, to make it feel like a Men in Black. Uh, so go check it out. I mean, I, again, I know it's supposed to be Men in Black International. I know it's supposed to be like a sequel. And like I said, there's odes to J and K and... Just, yeah, go check it out. Make your own opinions. Uh, I'm almost 11 minutes into the show already, and I haven't even started talking about the main topic of what I want to cover this week. Um, let's see. Goodness, I do have a lot to cover. Let's start with... What do we want to start with? Let's start with um, a movie. Since we're talking about movies and Disney and Disney owns Marvel and now I absolutely enjoyed the Avengers Endgame, okay, and I have to absolutely give it to Disney and Marvel Studios for being a genius in this department. They are re-releasing, and once they re-release Avengers Endgame they're going to surpass Avatar as the top-selling movie ever. That, and that's... I don't care how it's cut. I don't care what's debated. That was their intent. And it was ingenious because now they're coming out with more content uh, for this movie. And the article that I'm looking at reads, Marvel celebrates Avengers Endgame re-release with new heartwarming poster. Okay. So it's uh, old school uh, Ben Day dot kind of painting with modern, um, uh, it looks like digital art. And it's essentially, it's the Iron Man gauntlet with the Infinity Stones in it. It's very, it's very sketchy, but it's very dynamic. I like it. Um and it says, let's get down where it says something here. While Marvel Studios president Kevin Farge recently confirmed Avengers Endgame would receive a re-release featuring a new cut of the film, an official announcement had yet to be made. However, now the tickets are on, already on sale for the June 28th re-release. Marvel has unveiled a new heartwarming poster for the film's upcoming new cut. And it's the, the Iron Man gauntlet. And at the bottom it says, We love you, 3000. Which is just, uh, I love it. It's great. The poster artwork features a drawing of Tony Stark's nano gauntlet along with the phrase, We love you, 3000. Morgan Stark's I love you, 3000 became a signature of its own when fans adopted it to express their love for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, Marvel reciprocates the feeling by thanking the fans with the same message in the poster that will, will be given away at select theaters. Oh, I, I thought that that was just, it's cute. I mean, I know people that, you know, tell their daughters, I love you 3000. I, 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 I think it's cute. I just, I can't do it. <laughs> I I feel a little too cheesy for doing that, but yeah, I totally get it. I really do. In fact, it's kind of a a joke between Jay, my oldest son, and I. You know, we went and seen uh, Avengers Endgame together, and uh, it, it it's it's a term of endearment with, but what kind of a joke behind it? You know, um, it also says along with the poster, Marvel unveiled official details of the Avenger Endgame re-release. In a tweet, the studio confirmed that the film would feature a special introduction by co-director Anthony Russo in an unfinished deleted scene and a sneak peek at the upcoming Spider-Man Far From Home. Directed, or directed by Anthony 
and Joe Russo. Avengers Endgame starred Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, Chris Evans as Captain America, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk, funny Chris Helmsworth as Thick Thor, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. Uh, well, I'm sure you've probably seen it. It's He's Hawkeye Ronan, you know, actually. Uh, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Don Cheadle as War Machine. Karen Gillian as Nebula. Danae Guerrera as Okei. Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. John Favreau as Happy Hogan. Benedict Wong as Wong. Uh, Chris Helmworth's MIB partner. Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. And Josh Brolin as Thanos. The film is in theaters now and will soon receive a re-release featuring several new after-credit scenes and a special tribute to the late Stan Lee. Well, there you go, kids. Um, you know, I, I talked with my brother about this. I haven't talked to Jay, my son, but uh, my, my brother and I definitely sat and talked about this possibility of going and, and seeing, setting through the three hours movie to, so we can see the, the special cuts and the in you know, the end scenes. So, you know, instead of paying the $10 uh, for a regular movie, now we're, you know, Marvel's going to get 20 bucks for the same movie. Genius. Genius. Good Lord, it's a genius. Um, I'm not going to touch on this, but I just want to bring up that Dark Phoenix is already being pulled from the theaters. I'm, I'm looking at this right now. Um, all right, I lied. Let's go look at it. <laughs> it reads, Dark Phoenix already being pulled from theaters? What a shock. Just three weeks into the wide release, Dark Phoenix the final film of 20th Century Fox mainline X-Men series is apparently already being pulled from cinemas nationwide. According to the exhibitor relations company on Twitter, Dark Phoenix is set to lose 100, excuse me, 1,667 theaters this week, which amounts to about eh, 44% of the cinema it has been shown statewide. That's, that is... Woo doggy. Uh, it says fire extinguished. <laughs> oh goodness. That that said a lot right there. Opening statement fire extinguished. X-Men Dark Phoenix will lose 1,666 theaters, which is a minor or a, a, a drop of 44% in just its third week of release. Wow. Despite coming in second place at the box office during the opening weekend. Earlier this month, Dark Phoenix still notably underperformed. Domestically, the X-Men finale pulled just over $32.8 million, even though I'm pretty sure that you and I would be happy with only like $500,000, right? Over the first weekend, the film then suffered a significant second-week drop. If you watched the movie, you wouldn't understand... Listen to my last episode, and I give you more understanding to it. At the time of this writing, the film has just earned over $60 million domestic and $172.8 million from international markets, bringing its worldwide box office gross to just under $233 million. This significant a financial blow to Fox, seeing as how the film had been estimated production budget of $200,000, not counting marketing and distribution costs. So I bet you they're still in, in the red right now. And uh, to blame is directed and written by Simon Kinberg. And Dark Phoenix uh, stars James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Michael Holt, Sophie Turner, Ty Sheridan, 
Alexandria Ship, Cody Smith McPhee, Evan Peters, and Jessica Justine. The film is out in theaters now. For now. There you go. I wasn't planning on reading that, but there you go. Uh, let's see. Where do we want to go next? Choices, choices, choices. Retro Scooby? Or no, they did that wrong, huh? That would have been Retro Raggy. <laughs> it's one in the morning. <laughs> Deal with me. Uh, I'm looking at some news here, and it says, Boomerang scares up celeb guests on new Scooby-Doo. Guess who? Um, I'm a big advocate of Boomerang. They play really good old school cartoons that I, I think that's good for kids to watch. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah. So starting, oh, let's see, what is this? Starting tomorrow, actually, Thursday, June 27th, Boomerang Streaming will begin rolling out a new 2D animated series starring the Mystery Incorporated Gang and a ton of special guests. Scooby-Doo and Guess Who new episodes will premiere weekly with the season finale set for Thursday, September 19th. The streaming service premiere will be followed by a linear debut on Cartoon Network US in July, followed by a global rollout on Boomerang TV channels later this year. And Scooby-Doo, guess who? Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby will face their toughest mysteries yet. Luckily, each week the Mystery Incorporated gang is joined with a special celebrity guest lending the meddling kids a hand in getting to the bottom of any spooky ongoings. The premiere episode will feature NBA superstar Chris Paul. Season 1 will also spotlight singer-songwriter Sia, actress-comedian Wanda Sykes, oh god, um, actor and comedian Ricky Garvis, the one and only Wonder Woman, voiced by Rachel Kimsey of Justice League Action, musical madman Weird Al Yankovic, SNL Kean Thompson, Family Matters, Steve Urkel, Jamal White. Magicians, Penn and Teller. Batman, DC Animated Universe regular, Kevin Conroy. Comedian, Jim Gaffron. The 16th President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, okay. Uh, John McGiro, Adventure Time. And a sleuth, Sherlock Holmes. Ian James Corlett, Nindrago. And I, I, I'm looking at the artwork. It looks solid. Uh, it looks like the old school artwork. Um, you know, why not? I mean, sometimes it's just the way you got to go with it, gang. Um, there you go. So check it out. It comes out tomorrow, Thursday. On the 27th, over at Boomerang. And that was an endorsement. That's just my personal opinion, by the way. All right. What is next? Ooh, let's talk about something. Okay. A lot of people, and I, I try to drive this home, and I was actually talking to a, a good friend of mine about this last night, or night before last. Um, I... I have my fingers in a lot of things. I, I, you know, do the podcast and I write stories and I write comics and I do this and I do that and whatever. Uh, back in 2004, five, 2005, um, I started writing a, a monthly serial about zombies. And this particular story i i had been familiar because number one my good friend is alan russo and you know alan russo the russos um so i followed john a uh, russo's more comedic zombie approach to it but 
I wanted to write something different as a writer. So what I did is I watched all of the John A. Russo zombies. I watched all of uh, George A. Romero zombie movies. Um, and I, I'm going to say this, and I apologize if, if anybody gets offended, it, but you know between John and George, George A. Romero, I think, had more of a solid approach. Now, I know that that kind of blows up in my face because I was talking about political agendas the other, you know, uh, what, where am I at? 20 minutes now? Um, and yes, we all know that George A. Romero, his zombie movies were po politically themed. But the way that he did it, the way that he brought it across onto film was genius. And I feel that his was be the best uh, between the two. But, but, here we go, gang, but the zombies that I actually based my unluckies, my zombie-type creatures off of, was not either of them. It was actually based off of Danny Boyle. Now, you're probably thinking, who is Danny Boyle? Have you ever heard of 28 Days Later? Or 28 Weeks Later? I, I'm looking up here. I'm actually checking. I think I have the movies. Yeah, I do. I have both movies. Um, in fact, that's how important this movie was to me is I went and bought them when I switched over to Blu-ray. Uh, I watched these on DVD. And so anyway, I based my zombies off of Danny Boyle's work with 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later. So when I came across this I was very excited. I was excited because, well, I haven't seen it uh, for how many years? Over a decade, easily over a decade. I don't even remember when uh, 28 Weeks came out. Uh, let's, you know, I, I very rarely do this, especially while I'm recording. Uh, let's see. Um,. I, is to do a Google search, but I, I don't know. I, I want to find out how long it's been actually since we've we've had a, a, a Danny Boyle movie. 28 weeks later, came out. Uh, let's see. What about, 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 let me, let's go to IMDb Pro. If you have any questions about movies, go to IMDb Pro. Okay, 28 weeks later, came out uh, three days after my 30th birthday. And I'm 42 now. <laughs> so there you go. It's, it's been 12 years since we've had a 28-week release. So as I'm rambling on, um, 28 days later, Danny Boyle is working on the zombie franchise's third film which should be, in my opinion, 28 months later. Uh, you know, because it started at 28 days, now in 28 weeks, it should go to 28 months. I'm just saying, that's my, my thought on it. It says, after introducing Fast Zombies and 28 Days Later, director Danny Boyle has got plans for a third film in the blockbuster horror franchise. The Ex Machina director, which is absolutely amazing. If you have not seen that movie, go see it. Uh, Alex Garland, who wrote the first film, will return for the project as well. Alex Garland, this is a quote, by the way. Alex Garland and I have a wonderful idea for a third part. Uh, it is it is good, Boyle told The Independent. The original film led to a bit of a resurgence in the zombie drama, and yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. After that movie, I think it really, really exploded to, to, to the heights of the early to mid-2000s, you know, because that's when zombies were just going insane. I should have put a book out then. Just thinking out loud there, kid. Uh, it says, the original, and this is a quote, the original film led to a bit of resurgence in the zombie drama, and it doesn't re reference any of that. It doesn't feel stale at all, he, he shared. Alex is concentrating on the directing his own work at the moment. So in 
it's stood in ambiance, really. But it's a you never know. You gotta love that double talk, kids. 28 Days Later cast includes a lot of names that I can't pronounce and I'm not even gonna try. I oh, see, I should have kept on reading because it says here that it came out in 2007, but it doesn't say that it came out three days after my 30th birthday in 2007. Uh, it's, it's awesome. I can't wait. I mean, I'm just being honest. I can't. It's. Let's see. Okay. It also says Boyle's latest product project yesterday opened in theaters. Uh, it will open in theaters you know, on the 28th, Friday. Uh, okay. But yes, I'm very excited about seeing that. Not often. I, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think very often do you you get a chance to come back and try to take a, another bite of the apple after all those years, you know? So let's see. What do we got next? Okay, I got that. We talked about Scooby-Doo. Let's see. I'm going to save our toy of the week for last. Covered that just now. Let's go jump at uh, cartoon or animated news. This is this caught my interest as well. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And that is, let me look at this one more time before I try to pronounce it. Okay, here we go. Hope I don't screw this up. Neon Genesis Evangelion Translator reacts to dub controversy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've been following it, but it, it, it kind of became a, an issue. I mean, I've been watching um, what I grew up with, uh, the Manga US Core. And that's essentially, um, you know, Japanese animation, anime, uh, since the 90s. So it, it's been a, an ongoing thing, obviously, because they're created in Japan and translated into English. Well, I guess there was... Let me read this and then we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. It says, um, the cartoon has arrived on Netflix... But the new dub of the famous anime series has caused a bit of controversy online. Nevertheless, the new translator responsible for the dub is defending himself and his choices. The famed anime series, which premiered in 1995, has been regarded as a highlight in the, of the medium for over 20 years. Late in the original dub of the series, main character Shinai and his friend Kawuku Kawaru, sorry, it's been a while since I've read Japanese names, were implied to be in love with each other, which was a watermark for a homosexual representation in the mainstream anime. However, the new Netflix dub changes the dialogue, tweaking the relationship in a process and removing the potential homosexual subtext. Um, and then it's down here. Let's see. It says, while I'm not in the position to refer specifically to the decision involved in this scene you described, in all my translations of any title, I have tried my best to be faithful to the original source material, bar none. This is uh, the translator statement on Twitter. The power of storytelling sometimes depends on the, the ability of the audience to establish emotional relationships with the, con, with the characters, as well as recognize intimacy between people based on its interferences. This is one thing for characters to confess their love. It is quite another for the audience to interf interfere, infer affection and leave them guessing how committed are the characters. What possible misunderstanding might be taking place? Leaving room for interpretation makes things exciting. And then some somebody, I don't even know who that is, um, is having a fit uh, because of the, the translation. It says, 
I see, let's see, I'm going to skip that one. Um, let's see, this one says, I see a lot of misdirected hate towards Netflix about their handling of the relationship. I reacted out to the original translator and think it's extremely important for everyone to hear what he has to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, for some reason, we're capitalizing on Twitter, Twitter user Faye reached out to Dan Kamitsu, and the credited translator for the series, and shared Kamitsu's response, which came from came form of three tweets. Kamitsu is ultimately standing by his decision, saying he his translation is geared towards representation of source material about potential subtext. The power of storytelling sometimes depends on the ability of the audience to establish an emotional relationship with the characters, as well as recognize intimacy between people based on references, Komotsu wrote. Yeah, we just read that. Okay. So there you go. Um, people are pissed off. A lot of pissed off people. I don't know. Am I allowed to say pissed off in a family-friendly um podcast okay i'll stop saying it <laughs> uh let's see where do we want to go next this one's actually an easy one because we've covered movies we've covered cartoons now let's cover some comic books the year of the villain gives lex luther a major secret invasion moment Yeah. Okay, says, warning, this article contains spoilers for Justice League number 25, written by Scott Snyder, James Tyrant, the fourth, Jose Jomendez, Javier Fernandez, Alejandro Sanchez, Hi-Fi, and Tom Napoleano, now on sale. Okay, and it starts out... There are some dark days ahead for the heroes of the DC Universe. Which, by the way, I, I subscribe to. Um, I have DC Universe on my Roku. And uh, I'm digging it. I mean, I know that it's it's having some trouble picking up people, but I'm, I'm digging it. You know, give it some time, folks. Don't drop it just yet. Okay, back to the article. The cracking and subsequent destruction of the source wall has released new dangers into the DCU, causing the Justice League to fight multiple battles on different fronts. The Galactic Team is set in deep space patrolling the Ghost Sector and Justice League Odyssey. Magic is running amok in Justice League Dark. And the Legion of Doom is growing stronger by the minute. In the main title. I've been wanting to say. The Legion of Doom. I, I used to watch the Super Friends. Meanwhile. At the Legion of Doom. Lex Luger. Lex Luger. Oh my god that's wrestling. <laughs> uh, I don't have no wrestling. Uh, no wrestling news. Lex Luger. Yeah. Alright. I swelled it. Let me keep on reading. Uh, right when it. <clears throat> excuse me. Right when it seemed Justice League had gained a win by adding. The World Forger to its ranks. The team made. Or, ah, sorry, guys. The team gets smacked with reality the minute it arrives back on Earth. While Justice League was away in the sixth dimension, the magical imp, uh, Mr. Mizzleplex, was creating havoc for Starman and Mira. However, a secret weapon utilized by Lex. Luthor and his Legion of Doom not only propels him into DC's Year of the Villain, but also sets up for a new status quo for Superman villains that eerily mirror another villain's game-changing moment in Marvel Comics, Secret Invasion. Rip off. Ah, let's see, it says, Lex Luthor saves the world. <clears throat> All right. Let me hit with you. Let me hit you with this. Here's some knowledge, yo. Norman Osborn's claim to fame has come in the arch nemesis of the amazing Spider-Man. The new behind the Green Goblin mask is responsible for the death of Green uh, of 
Gwen Stacy, along with making the Web Slinger's overall life a living hell. However, Osborne's ranking in the Marvel Universe pecking order of villains took a dramatic increase in 2008's Secret Invasion, which featured a ship-shifting alien, the Scroll, secretly infiltrating the superhero community. While all eyes were on the battle between Earth's mightiest heroes and the Scroll, a, fi- a fatal—I'm getting tired. I'm sorry, guys. A fatal kill shot was in- landed in the head of the Scroll, scroll Queen. But instead of someone like Wolverine or Iron Man saving the day, the role of the hero was filled by Norman Osborn. To make matters worse, news cameras caught footage of Osborn single-handedly stopping the alien invaders. Osborn was able to manipulate his new public approval rating into becoming the director of Hammer, a replacement for S.H.I.E.L.D. These events made the world believe Norman Osborn was truly a good guy, leading to an era of the Marvel Universe known as the Dark Reign, highlighted by Osborn forming a new Avengers team with supervillains. A similar scenario is playing out in the DCU for Lex Luthor. After he used Batmite to defeat Mexoplex as a newly minted savior, Luther made a public announcement revealing to the world that the Justice League did to the Source Wall and the upcoming death of the multiverse. Banking on society's fear of the unknown, Luther urges the world's population to embrace its inner villain. He also sweetens the pot by dissolving LexCorp and giving up his multi-billion dollar fortune, of course, we all know Luther isn't really looking to dominate his money to or donate his money to science uh, refer, research. The offer, quote unquote, is secretly being sent out to the villain community in order to give them the means to financially defeat their heretic, heroic rivals. Yeah, it really does. It, it, yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Keep on reading. We're almost finished, kids. It remains to be seen if Luther will rise to the ranks of a government directional director like Osborne, but so far his position himself to once again save the world if Doom wins over justice when the cosmic judges deliver their final judgment in multiverse. And if Luther is right, villain of the year may be the predecessor to a DC-style dark reign. Hmm. Yes, that does sound interesting, folks. That really does. Uh, It says, Justice League number 20. Now, let me try that again. With more feeling now, Dave. Here we go. Justice League number 26 is now on sale. Justice League number 27 will be released. July 3rd. Yeah, it sucked. I tried. Hope you're all laughing. Making a, making a fool of myself for your comedy. <laughs> I'm tired. I really am. Uh, okay, gang. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the very last thing. I, I like saving the, the toy of the week for the last bit here. Um. And I've mentioned this quite a few times. I've gotten into uh, collecting action figures. And now once a week, I go to the Big Bad Toy Store and look at their pre-order mix and pick out what they have for the best. Um, Last week was the Optimus Prime Ghostbusters mashup, which was just absolutely amazing. Um, Who did I send it to? Somebody had asked, so I sent them a, a picture of that. A particular figure it was really cool so this week we have and this is pre-order it's not released yet you can go to www.bigbadtoystory.com and know that this is not a paid endorsement or anything like that it is just me picking out the best that i can find and sharing it with you the audience and it is batman hush it says M-A-E-F-E-X, number 105, Batman. 
Yeah, my gosh, it's just really cool. It looks like he can articulate pretty much every single joint there is. Okay. It says, product description. Based on the Batman Hush storyline, the M-A-F-E-X Batman, I'm assuming that's the manufacturer, is a fully articulated, ah, see, I was right, fully articulated figure standing 6.3 inches tall. Uh, let's see, that is, oh my gosh, you're going to make me do math. It is 6.3, that is 16 centimeters um, for the non-Americans that's listening to this. Batman features a posable wired fabric cape, which is really cool looking, by the way. Several accessories, including an unmasked Bruce Wayne head sculpt. It says featured products. 6.3. Oh, see, I could have scrolled down and seen it. 6.30 inches to 16 centimeters. Made of plastic from Batman Hush, posable wire fabric cape, fully articulated. Box contents. It can, it has one Batman figure, one alternate masked head, one Bruce Wayne head sculpt, multiple interchangeable hands, hands with a grappling gun that's loaded, hands with a grappling gun extended, and batterings. Now it is uh, something that I need to put out there just you know for their safety and my safety. And it is a general stand, uh, safety warning product holds uh, sold by the Big Bad Toy Store. May be intended for adult collectors. Products may contain sharp points, small parts, choking hazards, or other elements not suitable for children under 16 years old. So if you're under 16 years old and this sounds like something that you might be interested in, talk to mom and dad. Okay? And then we go up here, and I'm going to hit you with it, okay? You guys ready? It is estimated arrival is April 2020, and it's currently standing at $94.99. So there you go, guys. It's, it's, it is absolutely a, a gem. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's great. That's why I saved it for the end. All right, folks, I want to thank you so much for coming in and listening to me. I know it's a, it's a love-love situation between you and I. Um, I do things for love for you guys, trying to generate content for you to enjoy, and you show me your love by listening to me ramble for almost an hour uh, every week. Now, I, I want you to throw this out there. I don't know. There, I was approached by somebody that wanted to return to podcasting, and that particular show was on Wednesday. And if we do start producing content again for that particular show, um, it'll take the Wednesday slot. And like the previous season, uh, my Public Life as an American Nerd podcast will move into Thursdays. That's just, uh, you know, if if he decides that he's 100% down to do uh, at least another 25, 30 podcasts. Um, and as well as I'm going to do my best to give you more than 16 podcasts this year. Uh I did get a late start last year. We, we did reboot in, uh, in August. So, uh, I, but I, I do want to try to give you at least, at least 26 because 26 is half of 52 and that's six months. So that's my goal with that. Uh, let's see. What else do I got to plug? Um, yeah. Go to jazelmon.com slash PCE if you're a resident of the high desert, California. That would be Apple Valley, Victorville, Hesperia, Atalanto, um, Hellendale, Lancaster. We are putting together a, com a mini Comic-Con uh, venue 
for the residents up here. And I would like to know your, your input. Um, we're definitely seeking ideas and seeking vendors at this point. And that's pretty much it. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in the back that is not ready. To, I'm not fully ready to talk about. I'm going to go ahead and plug my magazine again. Um, it's www.theworldofmyth.com. It's a literary magazine. We've got tons of great authors, whether it be short story authors, poem authors, uh, amazing, oh my God, amazing artists. And our review staff is just top notch. I, it's, it's absolutely a joy to be a part of that. Um, so check that out as well. So I'm going to send you on your way for this week. Uh, I'm happy to say that I did not lose my voice this week. I'm going strong again. I just had to get used to it. Though I admit that I did, <laughs> after I finished editing the last uh, episode, after it was uploaded, I went back and listened to it. And I, it reminded me of the first time I started podcasting when I was doing a show with my sister and my brother-in-law called Seeing Red. And it was the very first episode, very first time I ever did a podcast. And I was a smoker at the time. I was a heavy smoker. And by the end of that episode, I was sounding like Christian Bell Batman, you know, like demanding, uh, uh, let's see if I can do it. You know, like, where's she at, Joker? Where's she at? You know, you need just, I, I can't do it. I don't smoke anymore, but. Yeah, it reminded me of that. So I'm glad I'm over that this week. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. All right, gang. I want to thank you so much for coming in and listening to me ramble. Uh, it really does mean a lot. And um, come back next week, and we'll do it all again. I, I'll, I promise I'll find more stuff to talk about. So for this week, for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And like I do, I send you away with a little I do. <laughs>